0: Uh, The Lord be with you. Blessed Lord, who caused all scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. One God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, I picked this verse to display because I thought it was relevant. Uh, When the world is in turmoil, and the world is always in turmoil, um, of course Christ is our anchor and stay, but um, wisdom is sort of a I don't know. Maybe it's part of the rope for the anchor, but it enables us. Untouched by trouble does not mean bad things won't happen to you. Um, Stuff happens. Then you die. That that's that's a paraphrase of Hezekiah chapter twelve verse one. But what it means is that in the midst of trouble, uh, you will realize that the deeper reality. It's different from what Paul called our momentary and light troubles. Um, and as I said, the world is always in turmoil and the current turmoil, um, in a sense, is nothing new. It's new to the people who are experiencing it. but um, And uh, if we fear the Lord, which I'm going to talk about more in a few minutes, then it's like... In in oceanography, well, no. No matter how much turmoil is on the surface, I mean, you could have a hurricane blowing thirty-foot waves. You go down deep enough, twenty feet even, and it doesn't have to be deep, deep. And it's perfectly calm. And the only thing moving the water are the currents that are always there. And I think that's a good way to look at uh, the reality of reality: is that God is sovereign and He's in charge of everything. Anyway, so I want to begin actually with something that's a little speculative, looks better in color, Um, uh, that says topical, well you have your notes so I won't adjust it, topical studies and proverbs, the wise man and the fool. Um, I say speculative because you can't draw this by straight exegesis right out of proverbs or wisdom literature. But I think, um, I think it is consonant with what Scripture says, but I won't go through the steps of how I arrived at that conclusion. So this is a somewhat speculative analysis of wisdom and fool- foolishness in the culture. So I'm persuaded by observation and reading Scriptures that there is a continuum of wisdom and foolishness among the members of society. Um, and what I mean by that is there is not a clear, sharp divide between who is a wise man or woman and who is a fool. Um, not like you got a sign on your back, you know. Reminds me of the joke, who was it, Bill Engvall? Um, you can't fix stupid, here's your sign. Um, some foolishness is just patently obvious. And again, I'll, I'll remind you that, that foolishness in wisdom literature and biblically speaking is not just acting silly, and, 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 and in a loud and rambunctious manner. Uh, we don't call children foolish. We might call them immature. It is a moral category. People are f- – wicked is almost a, synony- a synonym for foolish, and certainly deluded is one. But there isn't a clear demarcation every time. I think there are gradations on a scale. Now, we're going to talk about the ideal type of fool But not everybody has those characters, characteristics in full. Uh, The gradations go from a delusional denying of reality level of foolishness um, all the way to a clarity and expression of wisdom which is virtually Um, Christ-like. And I think there are gradations in between. Now, you can accept that conclusion or not, but... Uh, we've met people in our lives um, that display wisdom to a degree and they don't ruin their lives with foolishness. Um, They might not be believers, they might be believers in the Christian sense, they might be monotheists, etc. Because I also believe there is a correlation between this spectrum and the spectrum of religious belief in the culture since wisdom is linked to the fear of the Lord. So On one side, you have hard atheism, and I'll define these briefly. Um, I'm I'm not going to spend too much time on this because, again, I want to mainly focus on the Scripture. Um, I believe that some religious expressions express more of a fear of the Lord than others. Hard atheism, um, sometimes it's the new atheism, the militant uh, hate religion... Uh, and evangelize for atheism, uh, you could say this is hardness of heart atheism. I think is the most foolish, um, and it, it exemplifies the expression in Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Cultural atheism, which, uh, new term I found, uh, apathyism. Uh, Somebody came up with that in the 90s, which seemed to be about the right time to come up with it. This is not the idea that I steadfastly and wholeheartedly deny the existence of God and I absolutely refuse to believe. This is simply a shrug of the shoulders. I said, you know, God belief is irrelevant to human life. The existence of God does not matter. This is, this is the secular approach to life where God is simply not taken into account. Now, that's foolish, but I don't think that's as foolish as the rebellion of hard atheism. Um, pantheism is the belief that the universe is God and somehow the universe might be able to communicate with you, which I'm not saying this makes logical sense. I'm just trying to summarize the the view in just a few words. Uh, through... F- Feelings and coincidence. If you ever saw the movie Signs, um, M. Night Shyamalan, which is a pretty good movie, I actually used to show it in class, can spark a discussion. But M. Night Shyamalan was a, a kind of a New Age kind of guy, and he believed in coincidences and feelings, so the universe could get through to you. That's not quite as foolish. It's still foolish. Deism. I'm not sure it's quite in the middle. Um, At some point, we're starting to talk about some wisdom. But it is the belief in a personal God. Famously, many of the founding fathers were deists, Thomas Jefferson in particular. Uh, But this personal God simply created the universe and left us on our own. He left us with a set of guidelines but he does not get involved in history or individual human lives. Theism or monotheism is the belief in one personal God who is involved with humanity and history. Uh, Islam is a monotheistic religion. Um, I don't actually follow him on Twitter, but there is a, one Muslim. He's called the Imam of Peace, and I have looked at some of his social media feed, and he really does seem to be that kind of guy. Um, I'm, I'm not commending Islam in, in the sense that it's true, and if you follow that, you know, you'll find Jesus Christ. Don't misunderstand me. But uh, if you compare this guy, the imam of peace – that's his handle on Twitter uh, – with you know, uh, the radical terrorist of ISIS, I, I think to lump them together is a category error. And I would say on the scale of wisdom – There is a difference. Judaism also, um, I would have put them in uh, separately, but I literally ran out of space. Um, But um, Orthodox Judaism and conservative Judaism, of course, believes in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you've read, I mean believing Jews, I don't mean Messianic Jews, uh, Jews who believe in Judaism. Uh, there is some wisdom there. There are things you can learn from Jews who take the Bible and the Lord seriously. Um, if, if I were in some audiences, this would be considered uh, intolerant and exclusive as to place Christian theism you know, all the way over to the wisdom side. Because we know very well there are some people who confess Christ, and I think uh, sincerely so, that don't really display wisdom. But I wouldn't call them fools. I, I would simply call them immature. And, you know, that's all of us at some times. Um, and some of us more often than others, yes. But And, and even within Christian theism and theism, there are gradations of, of wisdom to foolishness. Um, and I simply want to... So theism or monotheism is a belief in one personal God who is involved with humanity. Christian theism is Trinitarian monotheism which holds that Jesus Christ is the incarnation of God and the Savior and Judge of the world. I don't think it's necessary to have all the particulars of full Trinitarian doctrine really nailed down because, first of all, it is genuinely a mystery and we can describe it, though we cannot necessarily grasp it with our rational minds. Uh, in the full sense. But I think that is the fullness of the fear of God. And I, I offer this brief analysis because I think it helps us understand people we meet who are not Christian believers, but who display some characteristic of wisdom in their professional competence. Um, I think it was Martin Luther said, um, and I forget which, prof- I think it was actually talking about a ruler. You know, he'd rather have an honest competent Turk ruling a country you know than an, than an incompetent uh, person who confessed Christ. Now I'm not sure I want to go that far but and Turks were that though was just a, a loose terminology for those who believed in Islam at the time. There are people who are, are professional, And competent, even though they are not necessarily Christian believers. And then some who are competent uh, to a degree in their ability to navigate life. And we can learn things from them if we listen and pay attention, even if they uh, don't confess Christ. Of course, in that conversation and in that personal relationship, you can also share with them and show that full and complete wisdom does only uh, come through Christ but today we're going to be looking um, at the wise man and the fool. Uh, so the wise man and the fool are ideal types. You're not going to find, like, here's the character sketch of the wise man. and it, Well, with one exception, which I'll, I'll, I'll let that be. I don't want to uh, spoiler alert on that, so I won't uh, say. There is one place in Proverbs where sort of the ideal type of the wise person is displayed in one place. So we can cumulatively sketch what a wise man is and a fool by going through uh, the many verses spread throughout Proverbs which describe behaviors, attitudes and characters, character traits that reflect wisdom or foolishness. And that's what we're going to do. So I'm only going to be able to dip into scripture at various points and I and I'll read various verses and I would encourage you as I have to to check these yourself, we should all be like the Bereans who, when Paul preached to them, checked the Scriptures to see if what he said was true um, rather than just rejecting it completely and then uh, throwing him out or throwing him in jail, as was Paul's uh, regular habit. He spent more time in jail than he spent in church, it seemed like. Um Oops, there we go. So, uh, first and foremost, the chief and foundational character trait that indicates wisdom or the lack of it is the fear of the Lord, and that's why I think again you can set foolishness and wisdom on a well, what we'll call religious uh, continuum. Uh, the uh, The wise man fears the Lord. The fear of the Lord is respect and reverence. And awe. It, It's not heebie-jeebie horror terror, but it does include real psychological fear sometimes. Sometimes fear of disappointment and sometimes fear of, well, why wouldn't you fear the maker and judge of all men? Um, there is such thing as a holy fear. Now, if that turns into terror, which turns us away from God, obviously that's not right. Um, I'm quoting Murray, uh, Murray again, John Murray in the New Testament. Uh, scholar uh, that I mentioned when we discussed Fear of the Lord, I think back in the first lesson. Fear of the Lord means that God is constantly in the center of our thought and apprehension and life is characterized by the all-pervasive consciousness on him and responsibility to him. It's not that the fear of the Lord shouldn't and doesn't involve your motion, it does, but it is primarily a stance toward reality. Um I'll mention this again in connection with, with the stance of the fool, but to, to confess God and to fear God is first and foremost to acknowledge what reality really is. Um, the Bible is not, in the way I'm speaking of it here, a religious book, nor is seeking wisdom a, simply a religious endeavor. It is seeking reality. Um, emotions and devotions should be involved, of course, but we have to acknowledge the fact that when we say the liturgy, and particularly the confessions, this is not just some, uh, we're not trying to simply evoke some religious sentiment, although if I said that in a less pejorative sounding way, that is one of the reasons we do that, and, and that's not bad, but, but we say it because it's true. It is true to the way things really are. And the fear of the Lord recognizes that the way things really are is there is one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Maker of all things, and the Judge of all men. And if you don't start with that, you're never really going to end up with complete wisdom. Um, And we talked about the relationship between that and our relationship with Christ. And I will bring that up again uh, in a few moments too. So in Proverbs 1, 7 and nine, ten, we are told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both knowledge and wisdom. And uh, Proverbs fourteen, sixteen says, a wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil. It's like opposite sides of the same coin. And God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And so to cling to the Lord is to be uh, aghast at and shun uh, evil, whether it's on a deeply at a personal level or on a global geopolitical level. Uh, The fool, on the other hand, displays behavior that shows his lack and fear of reverence for God. He is the antithesis, the polar opposite of the wise man. So... Proverbs 1.7 doesn't just say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It has an <laughs> anthetic parallelism, antithetic parallelism, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs 14.16 doesn't just say a wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil. It says a fool is, a hot-headed, is hot-headed and reckless, which is not, it's very poetic and not exactly Parallel, but uh, it is an antithesis to the wise man. The truly foolish, as opposed to the simple or immature. Again, that's two cat- two different categories. Uh, immature people are not necessarily fools. Uh, they exclude God from your conscious from their consciousness. The wicked man does not seek Him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. That's Psalm ten four. And the fool says in his heart, there is no God, Psalm 14.1. There is also, we're talking about behavior and consequences. This disregard of reality um, is highlighted in Proverbs 19.3. Uh, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Uh, The world is full of people like that who blame others, and they're ultimately blaming God for what their own delusional behavior and their unwillingness to see things as they actually are wreck their lives, and yet they rage against others and rage against God. We're going to look, again, we're going to be brief. Uh, We'll sketch things. I wouldn't say this is going to be exactly a full portrait. But the wise man character uh, reflects the fear is fear of the Lord. That's the foundation. He is righteous in that his mind and heart are turned toward God, and he strives for moral integrity in his life and relationships. Again, it's not that there is a complete and distinct compartmentalization of the terms righteousness here. But when Paul uses righteousness in Romans most of the time, for example, and in Galatians, he is talking about God's declaration of our right standing with God, despite the fact that we are sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But righteousness in Proverbs and in wisdom literature in general with, with a lot of nuance in, in Ecclesiastes and Job uh, means – it does mean to be in a right standing of God, but it means to seek to do what is right. But even in, in Psalms and Job where, where it talks about a man being righteous, nowhere does this imply complete sinlessness. Both of them recognize, and even in Proverbs, that even one who could be termed righteous does not always uh, is not completely sinless. Um, Proverbs two twenty declares that the wise man will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous, Uh, as it is written, and I forgot where it's written, but as Paul wrote. Uh, good company corrupts bad morals. Um, if that's that's why keeping track of your children's friends is not necessarily a bad or intrusive idea, uh, because if you if you hang out with with skunks, you're you're going to to stink after a while, um, and if if you are giving your allegiance uh, to that which is uh, foolish, wicked, or evil. Then eventually you're going to come out the same. But wisdom will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. And because the wise man fears God, he will hate evil, as that equation again is made in Proverbs 8:13. So the, the wise man is humble and teachable, does not have a stiff neck, he is not wise in his own eyes. He's always willing to be corrected uh, if he's wrong, and he assumes he can always learn more, which is true. We'll talk about it later. Wisdom is not something you're ever done with in this lifetime. He is truthful and hates falsehood, and I think I corrected it on here. Let's see. Yeah, um, 1027, wherever it is in the notes, Somewhere in one of these uh, verse designation, 1027 is a typo. Let me see where it is. Um, right. It should be 2927. So it's, uh, did I correct it? Um, 2927, where did I put it? You did put it in Yeah, I just took it out and I didn't put it... I didn't put the correct one in up here. I couldn't correct it on here. They'd already gone to print. So anyway, replace 1027 with uh, 2927, um, which along with 13 uh, verse 5 suggests the dichotomy, even the enmity between the honesty of the wise and the lies of the wicked. Wicked hate honest people. Now... It doesn't say uh, the wise hate dishonest people. It says they hate lies. Um, And there is an enmity. Um, This is why the uh, dip into cultural analysis again. If, If you read Christian Twitter, particularly progressive Christian Twitter or Facebook, there is this tendency to basically want Christians to be nice and winsome all the time. Now, there's not, nothing wrong with being nice. Uh, Paul says, insofar as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. Sometimes it doesn't lie with us. Um, and there is a sense in which we do need to hate lies. Uh, and there are plenty of them floating around, you know, if you're looking for something to hate. You can, you can hate lies. You don't, as you say, hate the, hate the sin but love the sinner, which is virtually impossible for us. But nonetheless, we're supposed to do that. The wise man is self-controlled in emotions, speech, and actions. It uh, doesn't mean he's necessarily like Spock, uh, but he tends to let his reason controlled by the Lord uh, inform his actions, and he doesn't follow his emotions. I don't remember who said it, but it's not original to me. Emotions make good servants, but bad leaders. Um, so he's self-controlled. He is diligent and hardworking in, in whatever, whether it's, whether it's manual labor, uh, whether it's you know, coding uh, or it's, all, it's knowledge work, uh, professional managerial professions. They are diligent and hardworking, uh, and they do a good job because they want to do a good job, because they're supposed to do a good job, and because they want to please the Lord. Ultimately, when when it really comes down to it, uh, given the frustrations of the work world, um, uh, particularly in certain professions, it it, it helps to have the idea that the person you're really working to please is God, because sometimes you just can't please anybody else. Um, Anyway, and and he is generous to others um, with time uh, and money. Um, In all his relationships, he never lets love and faithfulness leave him. Um, And the references I'm getting there, we'll we'll, we'll cite those. And again, we're we're picking and choosing. We're we're doing what is admittedly the second best way to read Proverbs, is to go through and pick out uh, verses related to the topic. The best way to read Proverbs, of course, is the ancient Jewish way. We will all memorize it. We'll start that next week. No, just... Um, the second best way is, of course, to read it repeatedly on your own and, uh, and corporately as a church. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing what we're doing, but, again, personal study on our own, there, there's no real substitute for that. Um, this should just be an introduction of that. Uh, the character of the fool, again, conversely is like the mirror image. And a mirror image is not the same thing. It's the exact opposite, if you're familiar with mirror. So if you hold up your left hand in a mirror, your your mirror image is holding up its right hand, and vice versa, is the antithesis. Proverbs often, again, pairs an antithetical parallelism, the contrasting characters of wisdom and wickedness. So, for example, in 1023, a fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. Um, there are some proverbial things uh, in in uh, common wisdom that aren't true. There was even a, a note in one of the commentaries I read that the, the the commentary uh, Leon Morris uh, actually. <coughs> stopped long enough to take issue with someone that no one ever feels good and happy about being wicked. And it's like, gosh, where, where was this guy? He doesn't, you know, he lives in his closet or something. There are lots of happy, wicked people. Um, anyway, um, some, some may be second guessing their behavior, but not a lot of them. Um, fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. I don't always understand why. Personally, it is the mystery of iniquity, but it does happen. The fool is prideful and arrogant rather than humble. He is stubborn and unteachable and will not suffer correction. I mean, there are people you, you just can't tell them what's real, even if they're harming themselves. Um, Proverbs 13.1 says, A wise son heeds his father's instruction. But a mocker does not listen to rebuke. Mm-hmm. Proverbs fifteen five. A fool spurns. Excuse me. A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. Uh, there is yet another typo. I let's see. Did I add back nineteen eight should be nine eight? Oh, I did correct that. Whether it says unteachable. in your notes it has 19.8. It should be 9.8. And 9.8 says, Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. And you may have had that experience where trying to correct, no matter how gently, unteachable uh, and uncorrectable people is, it's like sticking your hand in a wasp nest. It's just... No good will come of it, uh, and you'll just make the wasps angry. Uh, the, the fool is deceitful and slanderous. They actually seem to delight in in deceit, and the truth means nothing to him. I find that aggravating. Um, misinformation and disinformation are two words that are making the rounds in culture and geopolitical reality, and it's like it's just... You, you, you hardly know what to trust anymore. theres I was reading a news article on one of my digital equivalents of a newspaper this morning that gave you tips on how to, how to find Russian disinformation regarding Ukraine. And I told my wife at the time, how do I know that this article isn't Russian disinformation and that maybe I should do the exact opposite of what they are telling me to do be, be, because... And it's like um, trust of the medium uh, of the media is at an all-time low. Well, you say that, and next week it will be an all-time lower, Um, and sometimes with good reason. Um, uh, As they say, the inmates seem to be in charge of the asylum sometimes. Sometimes fools seem to be in charge of the information stream. Um, Anyway, uh, a fool... Also gives, he is rash and impulsive in emotions, speech, and actions. And sometimes, um, I don't want to be misunderstood, like passion is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but passion can be quiet, and I think it should be quiet, and under control. You can be passionate about something you do. It doesn't necessarily have to be spiritual, but that's a good thing, whether it's preaching, serving, um, you know, keeping track of money. I think people who keep track of the finances of the church should be passionate about what they do. That means they should really care deeply about doing it right. Uh, and I appreciate that. Um, but but passion as interpreted as simply the outward expression of strong emotion isn't necessarily a good thing and is never, you, you can underline that, never an indication of uh, the presence or commitment to the holy spirit uh, that that's not the indication of that the indication is galatians 5 uh, love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness self-control uh and there is uh within certain christian circles this i think an overemphasis on being passionate i mean about everything um and and by that we mean the expression of emotion. So I, I, I don't want to be. Uh, you know I've got nothing against emotion. I have one every once in a while myself. <laughs> but but I, I think I think the clear-headed proclamation of the truth is pretty much what's called for in this day and age. Uh, I lost my place. Um, oh yes. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Proverbs 29, 11. Fool is impatient. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. And I... I, I couldn't write this in, but I knew I wanted to pause here and talk about the fact that people can be wise in some areas and maybe, you know, need a little work in others. Uh, I'm better at being patient than I used to be. I think my wife would agree with me, I hope. Um, but there are still some circumstances in, in which uh, my... Uh, inability to control my, my tongue and speak the truth, but not in love, sometimes gets the better of me. Um, so, for example, I forget who said it. If somebody gets your goat, means you had a goat to get. Um, anyway, uh, a fool is also intolerant and vic- vic- vindictive. I don't know who first said it, but you know, I don't get I don't get mad. I get even. Well, you get mad, you just don't necessarily explode and get rage. You you take that anger, you turn it inward, and you do evil things. Uh, the fool is also lazy and unmotivated. Um, I realize I'm just looking at TV sometimes, but sometimes even uh, true crime stories. You wonder if, if they would spend that energy and that mental effort behind honest – work. But no, when it comes to honest work, they're lazy and motivated. But when it comes to a get-rich-quick thing, fools are often, of course, inclined toward criminal or foolish behavior. Um, The most foolish thing is, I never knew. I really did not. uh, And I was flabbergasted to find out by the commercials that you can get a $30 lottery scratch-off. And I thought, who is who would spend 30 dollars of their good money to get a scrap? I mean, how lazy do you have to be and foolish with your money? To and if you've done that uh, I, I guess I don't know. that was a rebuke. And if you're a wise <laughs> if you're a wise man, you'll accept correction. Um, but uh, I have said it all look, if somebody gave me I'll digress here somebody gave me a winning lottery ticket. I don't consider it so immoral. I mean, a fool and their money soon parted. <clears throat> people want to give their money to the lottery and then give it to me. Okay, I will not pay my own money for a lottery ticket. Um, I used to get lottery tickets on my birthday from my brother uh, back in Maryland, and he actually wrote on it once. It's not like it's gambling because you have no chance of winning. <laughs> he he was correct. <laughs> Anyway, um, lost my place again. Finally, a fool is faithless. Um, You cannot trust him to follow through on any of his commitments. Um, To rely on a fool is to rely on a rotten stick uh, to hold you up. Uh, He regards his own gain... And convenience as more important than loyalty or commitment, either to a person or to a community. Um, on the right slide? Yes. Um, we're, I'm, I'm only going to do a very brief, even briefer sketch of the wise man's relationship, because we're going to look more closely at wisdom and fidelity in relationships uh, next week in the era of marriage, family and community. Um, Sexuality is one very important aspect where uh, fidelity is extremely important. And sometimes Christians are said to be obsessed with sex. No, we're not obsessed with sex. The culture is obsessed with sex, and it's appropriate to respond uh, to it with the truth. Um, So anyway, I'll I'll be be very brief here. I won't actually stray that far from... From the bullet points. So the foundational relationship for the wise man, the one that grounds him, is his relationship to the Lord. He fears the Lord, trusts the Lord, and in all things submits his will to the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 encourage us to do. He will trust in the Lord with all his heart and not lean on his own understanding. He will acknowledge God and God's will as supreme over his own. The foundational, this foundational relation with God provides the stability and strength for faithfulness in all one's relationship. Because people will always let you down. I've let myself down. And and it's that sense of us being the center of the universe that always makes us feel like people are letting down. Because... Seriously, the the truly sinful and fallen and evil natural self will settle for nothing less than worship. The fallen man eventually, in their heart of hearts, wants to be worshipped as God by themselves and others. So, of course, if people fail to do that, they will disappoint us. That is why it is key to fear God first and foremost. So we can... And of course, it's impossible except in Christ. Um, Anyway, uh, this provides... uh, The fear of God provides stability and strength for faithfulness in one's relationships, all of them. The wise man respects and honors his parents, is faithful to and appreciates his wife, Loves provides for trains and disciplines his children and values and fulfills his obligation to his parent to his friends and neighbors. Like you know, I don't have a great lawn just so you know, but I, I mow my lawn, not usually because I really want to. I mean, seriously raise your hand if you really want to mow your lawn. Um, I, I do it because it makes neighborhood look better, you know, just well well-kept lawns. I know people can be obsessive about it. I assure you if you've seen my lawn, you know that I'm not obsessive about it. Um, so, so there is one place where this ideal type, which we've cumulati- cumulatively sketched from the many verses spread throughout Proverbs, which describe behaviors and attitudes that reflect Wisdom. There is one place where a complete portrait presents, its, presents a model of one who exemplifies and exhibits wisdom and character in and, and character and life, and, and it's not a man. It's the wife of noble character. This is the conclusion of Proverbs. So Proverbs 31, 10 through 12, I'm just going to read a few select verses in this. A wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies, It never says that about husbands. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. So the noble wife uh, embodies wisdom and action situated in real life, In real circumstances, this this is not a churchy or religious thing necessarily. She fears the Lord, has moral integrity, is trustworthy, diligent, skilled, devoted to her husband and family, generous and faithful in all her relationship. She also is an ideal type, all gathered in one place, a somewhat larger-than-life example held out as a worthy goal to pursue. And not necessarily in, in 100% aspects. A uh, few women, or men for that matter, could be a wife and mother or husband and father, household steward, a real estate agent, a vintner. Uh, yeah, she considers a field and buys it, and then she turns it into a vineyard. A clothing manufacturer and merchant. She doesn't just make clothes for family. She makes it for the community and sells them. And a teacher, all at the same time. Um, so in thirty-one twenty-eight through 31, it sums up uh, the praise we should give her. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her, her reward, give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Um, it is interesting that Israel's wisdom tradition both it personifies wisdom as a regal lady, lady wisdom back in chapter 8, and presents as a paragon and paradigm of wisdom. The noble wife, not the noble husband, not the wise king. I mean, you'll see accommodation for wise kings, you see accommodation of wise men, but if you're looking for a full-blown portrait of someone who lives out wisdom in their daily lives, it's the wife of noble character. Finally... As I, as I touched on briefly before, the path of wisdom like discipleship and sanctification is a long obedience in the same direction, which is the title of a book by Eugene Peterson about discipleship. Um, that's not its origin. It came from a philosopher. Growing in wisdom is a continuous endeavor which is never finished in this lifetime. We were told not to be wise in our own eyes. Well, never, right, never. You never should consider yourself wise. Growing in wisdom is a continuous endeavor which we're never finished with, and we should always be seeking to grow in discernment and understanding. Seeking wisdom, knowledge, and discernment and understanding is an aspect of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Seeking to grow in wisdom means seeking to grow in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. And I think we're not out of time. Yep, oh my gosh, 11.45. When have I ever done that? Um, Anyway, I realize time is up, so uh, it won't hurt my feelings if you really do have to go. But if anybody has any questions, uh, let me know. Yes? In your opinion, is there a reason why we are given uh, the Proverbs thirty one woman with all these attributes, but we don't have that for a wise man? Um, What's your name? Luke. Luke asks why we have Proverbs thirty one the the very wise woman, no character, but uh, not one for a man. But we do have it for a man. If 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 you look again, it's a patriarchal society. It focuses on the son. The sons doesn't mention daughters in chapters uh, 1 through 9. And if you look uh, at the rest of the Proverbs, uh, the Hebrew word for man is used. Uh, women are occasionally praised. So I'm, 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 I'm trying to analyze the motivation of someone, which is always a wrong thing to do exegetically, but I'll do it anyway, uh, in that the, the, the very wise writer of that yeah, some think it's Solomon some think it's the lady editor thought you know what I need, I need to balance this emphasis on on the patriarchal society and I need to present the fact that women uh, can be as wise as men and I think that's the reason that's admittedly speculative but that's, that's my opinion um Ultimately, no one knows exactly, seriously.
1: Um, yes, Kevin.
0: That would be the section about a wise woman in the Proverbs is very relevant to the young man that the Proverbs started out addressing. That's a very good point. So Kevin said the, the presentation of the wise woman is very relevant to the, to the wise men. Uh, sons, even as they get older, should not disdain their mothers, but should heed her. And it says right in there that she instructs and trains and teaches, so that's a, that's a good point. Any other questions or comments? Uh, Miguel. Yeah, um, so you were talking earlier about the role of passion in proclaiming truth. Um, I feel like there's diversity in that. Could you speak a little bit more to that relationship? Because I know I'm of the constitution that I could stand just lecture hall style preaching when it comes to. I I I prefer it too. I mean, it's just you know, dragnet. Just give me the facts. Uh, Just the facts, ma'am. If you know that reference, then you're dating yourself. (laughs) Um, On the other hand, I believe you know. I I believe. I am passionate about the truth, but I don't go around, you know what, I'm passionate about the truth, and I'm, let's all get excited about the truth. I'm passionate, so I try and discover what it is and try and be very clear when I present it. One of the reasons why it might be perceived that I am anti-passion is because, and I'm not knocking evangelicals, I am one. But standard operating procedure in evangelical worship services, at least one that I attended, is that emotion equals spiritual commitment. Uh, the level of your emotion is a gauge of your, your spiritual maturity. Uh, the level of emotion is an indication of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's thoroughly unbiblical. Um, the presence of the and, and it, oh, well okay well I'm going to insult everybody charismatics <coughs> well some of my best friends are charismatics well they were in college um, believe that there are certain special, special gifts tongues healing miracles that, that are that are indications of the presence of the Holy Spirit well, what does Paul say the fruit of the spirit the naturally occurring growth? is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are character traits. Um, the, uh, so if you want to say it, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is indicated by the level of wisdom and maturity of the individual, not their emotions. And I'm not saying the emotion is bad. I mean, I kid about it, but I'm, I'm honestly not. Unfortunately, my strongest emotion is, is irascibility. And impatient. So, so if you're talking about me being passionate, it's being angry at you for not doing what I tell you to do. That's that, and that's a bad thing, by the way. I'm not. Um, so, you know, there's got to be somebody to balance the other side of that. Um, we're not just supposed to be cognitively informed. We're we're supposed to live the reality we believe to be true. But I consider that a passionate thing. I mean, there's such a thing as quiet passion. So I hope that helps. So uh, yes, in the back. Um, so there's been a couple of references now to, to wise rulers. I didn't see that in the list of, of relationships. Does the list of Good question. That, that, excellent. Uh, what What's your name again? Tom. So Tom asked about our relationship to wise rulers. Is there a specific question in that well, I was just going to ask if, if somewhere in the wisdom literature does it address what the characteristics of a wise ruler is Yes and actually that's a good point you're right that that was that's probably if I redo this I should redo that yes wise ruler, w- rulers who uh, rule with wisdom see that justice is done and done swiftly they make sure the poor are not oppressed they don't accept bribes yes these are all in proverbs um, uh, they, on the other hand, uh, a little Machiavellian, aren't concerned with being loved so much as they are with being feared, at least by the wicked. Um, so when there's a wise ruler, you know, basically the wicked go into hiding, uh, It said. I'm paraphrasing, but – so yes, that's actually true. And you're right. I, I missed that. Any other questions or comments? Well, thank you very much. Uh, Next week we're gonna look at uh, relationships. Um, There will be about half of it, uh, maybe a third, will be on marriage, marriage, dating, and sex. Well, actually the order should be dating, marriage, and sex. Not sex, dating, and marriage, so. um, Thank you very much.